I'm, in, I'm still in the book of Numbers, chapter 11. I'm going to try to finish this today. I saw a scripture last night. It said that while pre- Peter preached for a very long time, see, I'm trying to be like the followers of Jesus. Thank you, Sister Trina. No, that was with Paul. Amen. So see, Paul preached a long time too, and that's why we have a one-story building so you won't fall out and break your neck. And the mixed multitude, everybody say the mixed. Mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting, and the children of Israel wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a coriander seed, and the color thereof was the color of a bedulum. There you go. However that said, really, I said it fast because nobody else knows how to pronounce it either. All right. And the people went about and gathered it, and they ground it in the, mill, in the mills and beat it in, in a mortar, baked it in pans, made cakes of it, and the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. All right, we're going to skip all that because we, I'm going to go right to where uh, God wants to do a new normal in you. We've already talked about that. God wants you to step up your game plan. God wants all of us to step up our game plan of serving Him and following Him and worshiping Him and working for Him. All right? We're already into September. Have we, how many Bible studies have each of us taught? Silence is deafening. God wants to do something that will have a lasting effect in our lives. God wants you to change. We don't we we expect God to change to fit our our thank you, Ginger. That ain't gonna happen. Let me give you guys some marriage counseling advice. Girls, ladies, women. You better love that man for what he is because you think that when you get him married, you're going to change him. <laughs> Jeff's already a new creature in Christ. Amen. You can ask women who've been married for a long time. You know what they say. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. So 25 years into it, when he still is doing stuff that you thought you changed when you got him married, he ain't changing. So you got to remember why you loved him in the first place. Oh, man. Boy, I'm scratching a nodule right now. You got to remember why you married him in the first place. You're not gonna, God's not going to change for us. He didn't write his word and then we take it and translate it in how we think it should be. His word says this, it means this. God does not change, amen? He doesn't change. So if his word said it then, it still means the same thing now. The people are having this problem in, in 2019. The problem is how can a just God let bad things happen? Well, how can humanity make bad decisions and not have the consequences of the bad decision? 
If I go out here today and I leave this church and I get in my vehicle and I wait till somebody, a, a car that's coming down 185 going 7,500 miles an hour is 50 yards in front of me and then I pull, or before I get there, and I pull out, I may not make it. Why did God let that happen? God didn't let that happen. I was stupid. Boy, a lot of you agreeing with that. Yeah. I'm going to watch the tape after this. I'm going to see who else. Yep, yep, yep. I was stupid. Yep, pastor's stupid. Yep, yep. You know what I'm saying. It was my decision. We all have free will. We all decide what we do, when we do. We're all what we call big people. I don't know if you call people big people, but I call people big people. When I was youth pastor, we had the youth and then we had big people. But we all make our own decisions. We all have free will. God, when he created the Garden of Eden, he put all of the trees and everything there and it was all good. And there was one tree that was put there and it was put there to give man a choice. Because we are not robots, God gives us free will and choice. And our ancestors decided that they couldn't handle the 400 million other good trees. They had to have the one because the devil deceived them. And the devil will deceive us if we allow him to. And so when bad things happen to people, it's not always because, oh, God let this happen. That's what the devil wants to tell you. How about, what about the people that have gotten scraped off of the road? We were getting ready to go on the missions trip to, uh, last month. And we went, we were on the freeway and the freeway was shut down because a trucker had hit seven guy, people on motorcycles. Huh? Oh, an SUV. Yes, praise God. Get rid of your SUVs. You shouldn't be driving those. Too big, gas hogs. Everybody needs to get a Prius. Or a Yugo. You remember those? The Yugos in your Yugo. You got to listen to the Yugo song sometime. Anyway, it goes right there with Randy Newman, short people. But anyhow, sorry, Ginger. All right. Now, what, what am I saying here? Oh, why did God let that SUV run over those motorcyclists? It wasn't God that had anything to do with it. What happens if the SUV driver was drunk or high? That was their choice to go do that. Now there's consequences to face. But the devil wants you to think God does everything bad. The devil wants you to think that God allows all this bad stuff to happen. God does not. God is love, the Bible says. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. When you get God in your life, you get the love of God in your life, you get love in here and it starts to expel fear out of your life. The devil wants to make you think that God lets all these bad things happen and God's not fair and this isn't right and that isn't right. But the devil is a liar. Oh yeah, we're getting somewhere now. So listen, every time he opens his mouth, you know he's lying. So listen, get a hold of yourself, shake yourself and realize the devil is a liar. Amen. When he tells you that nobody at church likes you, the devil is a liar. Even when he tells me that you don't like me, I know the devil is a liar. You like me, don't you? And then it really makes you mad that when you're mad at me and I just start to laugh, that really infuriates you. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to do that. But anyhow, I have learned 
September 1st, 2019, I have learned. Megan revealed this to me a couple weeks ago. It was just her and I sitting at the table, and she said, you know before this whole day is through, everything that goes wrong is going to be your fault. <laughs> Did you not say that? And I gladly accepted the challenge and said, I know. <laughs> but you learn to live with it. And I don't want to, right? Anyhow, being without you, uh, What in the world? Let me show you something here. Let me show you something. Let's go back. Let's backtrack here. God wants to do something that's going to have a lasting effect in your life. Okay? The devil's a liar. Revelation 20 verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Everybody say the dead. Small and great. Everybody from Tracy Zimmerman to Hitler. Everybody from Tracy Zimmerman to Barack Obama. Everybody from Tracy Zimmerman to Donald Trump. To Napoleon. To Mussolini. To Mao. To Castro. Everybody, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What are you saying? I'm telling you, be careful who you hang out with. I'm telling you that God is all, not always going to be a God of love. There's going to come a time when God is going to be a God of judgment. There's going to come a time when God has said, I have had enough. You know how that was when you was growing up. You know that when your mom or your dad said, I have had enough. Maybe you didn't, they didn't say it like that. But listen, I knew that when my mom or dad said, I have had enough, it's over. You can pray and fast and it's not, it's, you're still getting hammered. You can, you can get the goat of atonement and, and get shed the blood and you're still going to get it. I have had enough. And so God is going to say one of these days, I have had enough. And we need to be careful who we're hanging out with and what we're doing because God is not always going to be merciful. And God is not always going to be loving because there's going to come a time when if we have done the crime, we're going to have to do the time. When we have put and planted. Listen, when you plant something, you expect the harvest. How many, where's your gardeners? Where are your gardeners at? Not, that's not your last name. I'm not looking for the Gardner family. That's why nobody raised your hand. I'm not a gardener. I saw you over there, Chrissy. I'm coming your way. But between you and Susan and, and Heather there, you guys all have the same color on. And it's just, okay, so now watch. All right, gardeners, where are you at? Not the Gardner family. Dirt gardeners, where are you at? Come on. So when you plant something, you expect a harvest. When you plant tomatoes, what are you expecting to get? Tomatoes, right? If you planted a banana tree, it'd freeze to death here, but if you planted a banana tree, what are you going to get off that tree? Bananas. So if you sow to the flesh and darkness and sin, why should we expect anything different than that harvest? Harvest. 
People who never go to church, people who have never taken their kids to church, people who have never let their kids be raised in church, but have sown darkness and darkness and darkness in them. Raise up generations of drug addicts and alcoholics. Raise up generations of generations of people that do crime and hurt other people and full of hate and all of this stuff. What are you saying? I'm saying you got to be careful who you hang out with. You've got to make sure you get your kids in church. you got to make sure you get in church. Amen. You need to get the... Oh, yeah, come on now. Listen, we're going to fill our lives with something that's going to produce a harvest. You're going to fill your life with something that's going to produce a harvest. And when you come into the kingdom, when people come into the kingdom, they they have sown all these years into darkness. Darkness, darkness, darkness. And so when they come into the kingdom and they begin to turn things around in their lives, They begin to repent and say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm changing my lifestyle. Listen, it takes a little while. You've heard me say this. In the open sea, it takes an aircraft carrier about eight miles to do a U-turn. Eight miles. So repentance is not an easy deal. It's not an easy job. Repentance is changing what you've done for the past how many years? All of these days of your all the days of your life, like sand through the hourglass, all the days of your lives, right? What I'm saying, all the days of your life that you've sown into sin and you've sown into immorality and you've sown into drugs and you've sown into uh, uh, illicit affairs and you've sown into hurting people and hatred and you've sown into killing people. Maybe you didn't kill somebody physically, but you kill them with your mouth. The Bible says that a, he that hates his brother is the same as a murderer. Oh. Oh. But you come into church and you start to get things all fixed up and you start to change things. It's still going to take a while for the aircraft carrier to turn. It's still going to take a while because, remember, you had some harvest. There are some some dark sowings here and some dark sowings there, and they're still coming back that harvest of the dark stuff. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But eventually it's going to become less and less and less. The more you walk in the light, the less the darkness shows up. Amen. The more you walk in the kingdom, the further the kingdom of darkness gets away from you. Be careful who you hang out with though because people have no interest in the kingdom of God. If you are frustrated in your marriage, the last people you need to talk to at work are people that have been divorced 12 times. Why are you so quiet on me? This is good stuff. It's pretty hard, though. But it's true because life is tough, life is hard. If you're having, listen, if you're, if, if you're a diabetic, the last place you want to go to get healing is the candy store. Listen, I'm going to tell you what my problem is. My problem is I'm trying to lose this weight. But I'm going to tell you, over there at Mom Paul's, you know, across from the old Whirly Brothers, they got those cinnamon rolls as big as my head. You know what? Anybody, can I get a witness? Anybody know where they're at? You know what? <laughs> oh, I, I eat them. I got to have them. I got to kill and eat. Amen. I got to have them. 
That's not helping me at all. If you're having trouble in your life, the last person you need to go to is somebody that's not even going to church. If you're having trouble in your walk with the Lord, don't go hang out with somebody that's not even going to church. They're going to give you all kinds of advice. It's amazing how many people are experts about church and the kingdom of God and never go. Do you know how awesome Japanese underwater basket weaving is? You want me to tell you how awesome it is? I've never done it, but I heard somebody talk about it when I was in college. So I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome. Japanese underwater basket weaving is awesome. But people who never go to church, and you go to church and you have church problems, they give you all kinds of advice. They've never cracked a Bible open. They don't know what John uh, 4.35 says. They don't know what Acts 2.38 says. They don't even know what Genesis 1.1 says. But they have suddenly are a master degree theologian. And they know everything. They want to talk about the voice of the pastor. You don't need to listen to your pastor. You don't need to listen to that church and what that church stands for. You don't need to live that life like that. The pastor is just trying to control you. My Lord, I heard the pastor at Family Worship Center, he tells his people when they can and can't eat. Apparently, I'm very liberal with the can eat. And all he wants is your money. So I should say, well, let's go on a field trip to a Cardinal game. First thing you do is get down there. If you want to park somewhat close, you're going to spend 20 to 30 bucks for a parking spot. And still wish you had concealed carry when you walk out to your car after the game that night. Oh, yeah. And then you go in and then you buy, then they, they want to, you buy a bottle of water. I'm, I'm keeping this holy. You're going to buy a bottle of water for 7 or $8 a bottle. Or you get the Dilly Dilly, the Bud Light, you know, 8 or $10. You get those nachos. You ever seen those nachos in the baseball helmet? Wow. I have never been man enough to try those. Because I just look, whoo. How much are those? $15? By the time it's all said and done, you're, you're dropping hundreds of dollars. And nobody complains that Bill DeWitt Jr., who lives in Cincinnati, Ohio, who owns the St. Louis Cardinals, ever complains. But don't give that money to the church. All right, we keep on going. You best better stay out of the Word of God. You see, they want to speak because people don't care about your spiritual well-being. The only one that's going to keep you saved, get you saved, and get you to heaven is each and every one of you. You're the only one that's going to get yourself to heaven. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Listen, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says, But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul. He was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Let me tell you something. You need to go back to the book of Genesis and you need to read the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Because the angels came to get Lot out and the, listen, the spirit of homosexuality was so strong in that town that the angels were threatened by the men of Sodom. Anybody ever read that? 
Oh, pastor, that can't be in the Bible. Oh, listen, you read the book of Genesis, you're going to read all kinds of things just in Genesis. Just in Genesis. Amen. And those men of Sodom wanted to have sexual relations with those angels. And listen what Lot said. Lot said, get out of here. You, You don't want anything to do with these men. And he said, I have two daughters. Lot is negotiating with this spirit of homosexuality. He said, I have got two daughters. The men didn't want the daughters. They wanted the angels. Why? Because Lot is a righteous man and he is being tormented in his soul in the wickedness that he saw day in and day out. You and I are living in a very wicked generation. These are the same days just like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Guess what? The Lord is fixing to come one of these days and every day we get closer. So you've got to ask yourself, am I ready to go if the Lord's going to come today? Hallelujah. Am I ready to go? See, People don't care on the outside about your spiritual walk. All they want you to do is they want to make sure you're there to bring BYOB. And share. When you're out of money, when you're out of drugs, when you're out of booze, they're not your friend anymore. They went on to the same thing. You know, they say that the church uses people. How about the world uses people? How about the devil uses people? How about your old friends? And my old friends way back when used us to get whatever they wanted. And once they got what they wanted, they didn't even know us anymore. I'm here to tell you that sin will torment you. Evil will torture and torment you. But listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God wants you to be victorious. God wants you to be, hallelujah, powerful. He wants you to be saved in the middle of all this. Hope this is all right, so you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm, I'm expanding my marriage counseling. I think that if you're single, you need to make a list. Start making a list. Okay? I'm going to give you some words. I'm going to give you some ideas. Or as they say in Illinois, ideals. I'm going to give you some ideals. Listen, listen. On that list, you put down what you do and like to do. I like to go to church on Wednesday and Sunday. I like to be involved in church. I like to give to the Lord. I am a tither. I bring his tithe into his storehouse. Put that on your list. I like to be involved in church. So whenever we have a dessert auction, I like to be there till the last dog dies and Mitchell sees the last mouse run. I'm going to tell you, he's a mouse whisperer and a snake whisperer. He sees more mice and more snakes. And I go through there and I can't find anything. I'm like, are you kidding? All right. Anyhow, I like to be there till the last dog dies. I like to be there to haul the trash to the dumpster. I like to stay around and fellowship with my brothers and sisters. Because guess what? If you marry somebody before, after you get married, they're going to say, ah, we don't have to go to church. We're just going to go. We're going to be CE Christians. We're just going to go to church on Christmas and Easter. CE Christians. 
See, then you got problems. You got problems. Well, well I give. I like to tithe. Well, we, the church don't need our money. Well, where do you think we're getting it from? Government grants? Are you seeing what I'm saying? You need to put down everything on your marriage list of what you do and like to do and make sure you find somebody that likes to do the same thing you like to do. Since we have been married, we have never thought about should we go to church. Since we've been married and had kids, we never thought about where they should be baptized. Am I dominating and overwhelming right now to you? No, you don't care. You don't care. I don't scare you. I know. Did I spit on you? Jesus. That's holy, baby. That's holy. Oh, God. God, I'm sorry. Listen, you don't know what she goes through. I'll stay back here. Have I ever fought with you about putting money in a tithe envelope? Or you ever fight with me about giving money to the church? Uh-uh, no. Have we ever, you see what I'm saying, single people? You better make your list. And when you find that Mr. Perfect or that Miss Perfect, and she's all perfect, and she's all, she's got a way about her, don't know what it is. You better make sure she likes to go to the same church you like to go to. You better make sure she believes the Holy Ghost just like you believe getting the Holy Ghost. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says what the what has fellowship with light and darkness. Hallelujah. How can you put a donkey and an ox together and they pull the same way? They're going to be off balance. So find somebody that believes the same way you do. Be careful about everything you do in life. If you have trouble, listen, if you have trouble with drug addiction, the last place you want to do is go be a pharmacy tech at Walmart. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah? If you have trouble, if you have trouble with, with, with weight, don't go work at the candy store. Are you kidding me? Whatever it is, don't put yourself in a situation. Be careful how you're living. Be careful what you're doing. Amen. Acts 2, 40 and 41, then Peter preached a long sermon. See, I told you. Telling about Jesus and strongly urging all his listeners to save themselves from the evils of their nation. The only one that's going to, is concerned about and is going to save each of you is you. I can preach. Thank you for coming to church here. Thank you for not turning me away. Thank you for standing up and saying, I'm going to church there. I know that, I know he preaches a long time. He even spits on his wife. Now listen, don't be going out and saying, you know what? Pastor Tracy's abusing his wife. I had somebody walk through Walmart that I know, and he came and he said, you know what, I heard the strangest thing. Now, he doesn't come to church here, but he invites everybody else to come to church here. Figure that out, all right? Listen, ain't nobody going to want to drink out of the bowl you're not drinking out of. He said, hey, you need to go to Family Worship Center. And the cashier said, is that where Tracy Zimmerman pastors? Yeah, yeah. This is what she said. Either that or he's lying. I heard he stepped out on his wife. Well, I'll tell you, if I did, it must have been awesome because I don't even remember it. Amen. And this guy says, he's known me for 20 years. He said, 
Are you sure you got the same church and thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know it's true. He might, he might put on a good show, but he stepped out on his wife. He's cheated on her. Listen, you can sit right here, and I can call down heaven, if it, uh, lightning, if it's true. You're going to be safe. You'll be very, very safe right here. Because if I ever did that, strike me dead right now, God. Because I never have. But you see, what we do is we allow stuff to get in our minds. And then the devil goes, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there's a block in us that says, I can't ever go to that church because I heard nothing such. I heard the pastor stepped out on him. No, she ain't even here. She's the one that just stepped out on me. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Are you seeing what I'm saying? And the devil will inflate that lie in your life and put a block there and you will never ever get past it because he does not care. The devil wants to do one thing and he wants to destroy you. He wants to tie you up in sin. He wants to wrap you up in iniquity and he wants to take you into hell one day. And listen, brothers and sisters, you do not want to go into hell. You don't want to go there. I'm telling you, the Bible says that the fire never stops. It is unquenchable and the torture lasts forever and ever and ever. You're going to be, the, the, the best thing that you can do is you can decide right here and right now, I am going to live for the Lord Jesus. I'm going to get His Spirit in my life. I'm going to get baptized in His name and I'm going to walk in the ways of the light of the kingdom of God. Work it out. Save yourselves. Don't come here just because I'm cool. Don't come here just because you know that the air conditioner works good here. Amen. We got to keep it cool. Hallelujah. You know why we keep it cool? Just like in the hospital, we're trying to kill bacteria. Come on now. We're trying to kill some sin around here. Amen? Those of you who think I forgot to tuck my shirt in today, no, I did not. This was intentional. Okay? So don't even try to institutionalize me today. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Save yourself. Save yourself. The world, they don't have your interest in mind. Okay, so when I say the world, I mean, I mean the, the system of darkness. Okay? That makes sense? That when I say the world, I'm talking about the system out there. This is a church. And it's not just because it's a building. Frank, you're the church. Pat, you're the church. You cold, Sister Pat? Amen. Good deal. We're killing that bacteria. All right. Sister Margo's the church. The Randall's the church. The Bible says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? The church isn't a building. The church is us. Johnny ties the church. Yes. Sammy's the church. Amen. We're all part of the church. The devil and the world, they don't have our interest in mind. They have their interest, their agenda, and their culture of the world on their minds. They want to do, I can't believe. You got to go to church again. You just went to church at Christmas time. You got to go again. I can't believe you go to church. All the you, the pastor wants you to go to church every or oh, every Sunday. 
and you start at 10 and you're out by one, three hours, three hours. And I've had pastors in this town say, three hours. And I look at them and say, three hours. Because we got a lot of work to do. There are 168 hours in a week. 10% of that is right under 6, 17 hours. You're not even in church a one quarter of 1%. How about that? Is that right? Is that good math? 2%. 1.6. 1.7. So you're not even in church. One hour, one percent a week, two percent if you count Wednesday night. Then he wants you to come to church on Wednesday nights. What time you start church? Seven. What time you get out? Oh man, seven, seven, eight, eight thirty, nine. You know things are moving good. Later, till somebody falls out of the window and breaks their neck, then we stop. Amen. What are you saying? I'm saying that you spend four or five hours a week in church. And that isn't even 5% of your whole weekly schedule. So you still have all of that time. You still have 163 hours in a week to do whatever you've got to do. Isn't Jesus worth more than just five hours a week? Because this is a lifestyle. I'm preaching. I'm not preaching that, that Austin, I want you to sign this card. And when you sign this card, you're going to be a member. Okay? And when you're going to be a member, sign right here, son. You're going to be a member. All right, sign. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you have... Now watch. Come on up here, Austin. So come on, quickly, quickly. Now, so Brother Austin has signed this application to be a member, all right? So what we're going to do now is we would like to know... We're going to take a vote and see if he can be a member. I don't think they want you. Because they have some. Oh, look, your sister, she put her hand up first. All right. Well, I know, man, there's still, uh, there's still a lot of hands that are down. Let me tell you something. Oh, that's getting. Let me tell you what this is, bro. Bro. Jesus didn't say, sign your application, let the church vote on you. He said, except you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Guess what? Every time I went to Effingham and Amy's belly was real big, I, I didn't have a choice. That thing was coming home with me. There they came. They just kept on coming. Number one, number two, number three, number four. Why? Because they were born into it. And now they carry the family name. And you know what? Everything that's in the family is going to be theirs one day because it's an inheritance. Because you are born into it. Jesus said that which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. If you want to get in the kingdom, you don't have to wait on a committee vote or a church vote. All you've got to do is get born into it get born into this thing and then everything that's in that family is yours you know what's in our family I'm talking about our spiritual family all power in heaven and earth belongs to me what he said 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things that you say when you pray, you shall have them, you shall have whatsoever you say. Hallelujah. He said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Are you seeing what I'm saying today? The world doesn't care about you, but it doesn't matter because you are in the household of faith, and it's time to save yourself from this untoward generation. The mixed multitude, those foreigners saying, I'm going to finish this today. This was only a three-week deal. Is that awesome? The mixed multitude, those foreigners spoke and complained. Now notice this. Israel, the children of God, they were not complaining before the foreigners started it. That's why you got to be careful who you hook up with. Oh, that pastor wants you there three hours on Sunday, two hours on Wednesday, and then he wants to tell you who you can hang out with. I wouldn't do that. It's true. It's true. And then he calls a fast, and then he don't want you to eat. What kind of pastor are you going? He doesn't even want you to eat. Do you know that fasting is hardly even heard of? in the Christian world today? It is. It's hardly ever heard of. It's hardly ever heard of. And Jesus said, this only comes by much fasting and prayer. You want to cast out devils? You want to see the sick healed? You want to see sinners converted? Fasting and prayer. That's what Jesus said. We have gotten so far away from the gospel that Jesus has preached. We have gotten so far away from the kingdom of heaven that Jesus set up on the earth in this church world. You know? We are dumbing down our services. We are dumbing down our meetings. We are making it seeker-friendly so nobody gets offended. Let me tell you something. All I have to do is walk into a room and I have offended somebody. And some of you have the same power and charisma. Because they say, what is he doing here? I found the invitation in the parking lot, so I just came on in. We're going to offend some people. Some people aren't going to like this kind of church. I appreciate all of you who like this kind of church. Apparently, all of you are hungry for a relationship with the Lord. Apparently, all of you want a lifestyle commitment to the kingdom of heaven. Apparently, you want to save yourselves from this untoward generation. Apparently, we are walking around here, and guess what? We don't have to say to the situation, yeah, you got a problem here, but I can't take care of it. Oh, no, we know how to take care of that. We know how to take care of this. Why? Because we've been in the manual. We've been in the book and what Jesus said. We know exactly what's going on here. Hallelujah. And when you know what's going on, you can say, hey, guess what? It doesn't matter what the mixed multitude says. I am going to stay stuck in the book. It doesn't matter what the rest of Christianity says. I'm staying in the book. Amen. Oh, I'm almost finished. It's going to be great. The enemy will put things in your mind about your past. The past is the past. It's over. Shut up about it. I'm sorry. Please be quiet. I am trying to get away from my East Coastness. I am trying. And 
I think I've done well. I know you don't agree with that, but it's all right. It's okay. Now, you can't fix your past. You can't change your past. All right, I don't think you heard it. You can't fix your past. You can't change your past. You didn't even get to pick your family. And they didn't get to pick you. They just went to the hospital. Macy said one time, where was I at when all the other kids were being born? I said, you were in a broom closet at the hospital waiting on us, hiding. I said, Effingham Hospital's big. It's got lots of broom closets. We didn't know where he was at. It took us all those years to find you. And boy, did we find her. Amen. You can't change your past. You can't change it. Deal with what you got, right? He wants to tell you about the world, how good the world was, the past. Philippians 3.13, King James Version. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. You cannot change the past. And the longer you hold the past in your hand, the less room you have to grab a hold of the future. Isn't that good? That's very good. I learned that from Sister Carlita at the camp in Hawaii. She was teaching. You know what? Those Carlita was teaching, and Danny was teaching, and Sister Amy was teaching. Prophet Tom told Amy back in October she's going to be an international minister, and she was. She was on the islands. Carlita said, if you hold your hands up to the Lord, clean hands, then you have, you can't hold it onto anything, right? Because it's going to fall out, and the Lord can put whatever he wants in your hand. You've got to forget about your past, and you've got to go on to your future. You've got to forget about tomorrow, because tomorrow is never going to come again. Or yesterday, sorry, tomorrow is come. Tomorrow never gets here either, does it? See, I can't even, don't even know where I'm at, past, present, future. Who knows, right? Forget about it. The rearview mirror of the car is in the windshield part. How much room does it take to the front windshield? 2%, 1%? What's that telling you? We want that other 98% to what's in the future. And the things in your past and behind you, the further you go into your future, the smaller they become in your past until eventually you never see them again. So stop being like people hung up on your past and forget about it. You can't change your past. We know you came out of whatever mess you came out of. Jesus loves you, and you're on your way to victory. You're on your way to power. Amen? So stop worrying about the past. How about the world? John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Stop worrying about your past. Stop worrying about the world. But he won't tell you. Now listen, the devil, he won't tell you and he won't mention to you about your previous bondage. All he wants to do is your old friends call you and say, oh, Jeff, we really missing you. Jeff, we really missing you. They don't call anymore. You probably can't get cell signal out there half the time. Sometimes no cell signal is good. Saves our hides, doesn't it? 
Oh, Jeff, we miss you. Oh, we wish you was out there around, sitting with us around the circle of sin. Amen. I don't know if they probably didn't say amen. We miss you out there, Jeff. But he didn't tell you how lonely you felt. He doesn't tell you how sad you were. He doesn't tell you about those long nights when tears flowed down your face into your ears and soaked your pillowcases because you were so unhappy and sad with yourself. He doesn't tell you about the torment that he used to torment and torture you with. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The devil's not going to tell you all of that business. He's just going to make it look all pretty again. And the, he didn't talk about the terms or the consequences of your former slavery ever again either. Let me tell you something. Yeah, you ate cucumbers and garlic, but he said nothing about the fetters and the chains that were dangling off of our wrist. He didn't say anything about it. You can go only so far and pull it back and yank you back and say you can't go there anymore. But listen, Jesus has set us free. Jesus has set you free and put you on a path of righteousness, and he's given you a new life. Amen. The children of Israel ended up asking a very dangerous question. They said, who can give us meat to eat? Are you kidding? As if there is someone else that loves them more than God does. Who's going to give us meat to eat? Let's all stand. It's time. You're going out of here. It's holiday weekend. You're going to go labor, labor day. Ooh. You see, the devil will get you into a situation to where you begin some, asking some very silly questions. When there's manna falling from heaven every day, when there's provision, your shoes don't wear out. You know, well, that would have been so awesome this day. Women wouldn't have to buy 300 pair of shoes. If we could get those patented, Brother Johnny Worley, those shoes from the wilderness experience, women would only need one pair of shoes. We got ready to go on that missions trip, and I opened up a suitcase, and it was full of shoes. I said, whoa, here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's going to wear all these? You only got two feet. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They got thirsty in the middle of the desert. And the Lord said to Moses, go up here to this rock and strike the rock. And when he did, water comes gushing out of it. It happened a second time. And Moses was so mad at the children of Israel, God said, this time, don't smite it. I want you to talk to it. I want you to speak to the rock. Moses was so mad that he smote the rock again. And when he smote the rock, when he smote it, waters came out. But that is the act of disobedience that kept him, that kept him, that kept him, that kept him out of going into the promised land. Why did it do that, Pastor? Because it messed up the typology. Because the rock represented Christ, and Christ is only smitten once and for all. But when Moses hit it twice, it messed it up, and God said, because of your disobedience, you're not going in. That, that rock followed them all through the wilderness for 40 years. A rock followed them in the wilderness. A rock moved with them. In the daytime, they had a pillar of a cloud to keep them cool from the desert sun. In the nighttime, that cloud turned into a pillar of fire, and it kept them warm in the cold desert night air. And they said, who is going to help us? Who 
can give us meat to eat. Are you kidding? The same God that brought them out of Egypt is the same God that will give them whatever they need. The same God that brought you out of your Egypt is the same God that will keep you on this journey now. Amen? But listen, it's time. You've got to tighten up your ships. You've got to tighten up ships. God and God alone is the only one. He is the who. Now we have to focus. If we focus on what we want only, we're going to have no control of what we need in our lives. This isn't a want club. This is a need club. God's got a plan for each and every one of us. God's got a plan for you. Amen. There are going to be people you can't hang out with anymore. My Lord, get some music going because I'm telling you, it's so quiet in here. Let's play some good old music. Let's play the blood again. I like the blood. You like the blood? Amen. You know why I can't hang out with some people anymore? Because we don't share the same lifestyles. We don't share the same goals. We don't share the same desires. We don't share the same wants. We don't have anything in common anymore. Let them call you Holy Joe. Let them call you Holy Roller. Holy Roller Jeff. Holy Roller Kevin. Let them call you that. You know what? I'd much rather be a Holy Roller and make it to heaven than to be stuck in the dirt and sin with them and be tormented and lost in hell in eternity forever. <laughs> choice is ours today, brothers and sisters. The choice is ours. What are we going to do with it? The decision each of us make today is going to impact our lives for all of eternity. Amen? How long is eternity, Pastor? I've heard it described like this. The moon is 300,000 miles from the earth. If, there was a, if the moon was made out of stainless steel, solid stainless steel, and we had a dove in our hand here on earth, and that dove would leave our hands and would fly to the moon and brush its wing against that stainless steel orb called the moon and fly back, and would continue to do that journey until the brushing of its wing had dissolved and deteriorated the whole stainless steel ball into nothing. Eternity has just begun. Time, the Bible calls it time without end. I want to be in heaven for eternity. I want to be in the Lord's presence. And you know what? I know each and every one of us do because you're here on a holiday. You're here. You're here. So we've got to watch what the words and the actions of the mixed multitude are that keeps trying to creep into our lives. It's time to focus on the Lord and his word. Let me tell you something. The devil creeps in and you don't even know it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing this song. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and let's sing this song just for a moment. About the blood. Let's think about this. The blood that Jesus shed
like to come pray. This front area is open. If I've said something, oh, you need to pray. To we don't want to leave here and not pray. You need to do some soul searching. Come do some soul searching. Whatever you need. My doubts, my doubts call for my fears. All my fears. And it Let's sing it together now as we're praying. Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, yeah, it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. your blood flow through our lives today in the name of Jesus. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its heart. Hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, search out our hearts, Lord. Search out our acquaintances, Lord. Search out the areas of our lives that maybe we're not even aware of that the enemy is trying to creep in. Lord, through a friend, a close friend, through an associate, Lord, help us to be on guard. Help us to be vigilant. Help us to realize, Lord, the enemy is wanting to take us down. The enemy is wanting to do away with us. He's wanting to pull us out of the kingdom so he can be master of our lives again and we don't want that none of us want the enemy to be master of our lives anymore in the name of Jesus help us to forget about our past because we can't change it and we can't fix it but we can use it Lord for a springboard to go on to what you have for us in the future let us continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus And Lord, I pray that every deceptive voice in our lives would be silenced in the name of Jesus Christ. Every lie the enemy is trying to put in our lives. Everything he's trying to inflate, every lie he's trying to inflate 
in the name of Jesus. Lord, deflate that lie. Take it out. Remove it. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. Take it out. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just take a moment. Let's give him some praise. Would you give him some praise? Maybe give him a little English praise. Maybe give him a little Holy Ghost praise. Hallelujah. 